You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. You know, uh, there's this author in the late 1800s. His name was uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. And um, he had this fascination with the human mind, uh, especially when it came to this duality of man, he said. He, he was so fascinated with the good versus evil. And he always believed that no matter how good a person seemed to be, that there was always some type of evil in him lingering. And at the same time, he always believed that no matter how evil someone may seem, that there's always some type of good. There's always a bit of good in that person. He was fascinated with this idea. And according to his wife, one night, Stevenson, he woke up from this nightmare. And he went to his desk immediately, and he began to write. And she said that he had finished the first draft of his book in three days. This book, we later learn, is the story of two men. The first is a doctor, a gentle and kind person. And the other is a criminal, evil and cruel. Later, we learn that these two men are actually the same person, Dr. Henry Jekyll and Mr. Edward Hyde. You know, the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a fairy tale. But this duality of man, this idea of good and evil within us, is actually very real. You know, for the past month, we've been talking and going through this book of Philippians, and Paul has been teaching the church what it means to be content, what it means to be joyful. He's answered all of these different questions that they may have had. And now in this passage, we come to almost one of the foundational things. He goes to the very foundations of the faith, and he answers a very simple question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? You know, Paul, he was the epitome of this idea of good and evil. He murdered Christians. He judged others. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees, and later, and yet later, he became the main architect of Christianity. He became the greatest evangelist of his time. So Paul, after looking back on his life, he understands the answer of what it means to be a Christian. And the answer, he says, is actually very simple. It's your focus. It's your focus. You see, in verse 6, Paul writes, I persecuted the church. This word persecuted is actually used again in this passage here. But it's translated differently. In verse 12 and 14, Paul says, I press on to make Christ my own, and I press on toward the goal. You see, Paul, he uses, I persecuted the church. And yet at the same time, he uses the same word, I press on towards Christ. These two words are the exact same, and yet one is used against God, and the other is for God. 
You see, before Paul was a Christian, he spent his entire life, his entire focus towards persecuting the church. And yet after he experiences Christ, he gathers everything that he was. He gathers all of his focus and he directs it towards Christ. And so this is the one thing that he pushes towards the Philippians. This is the one thing that he tells about his own life. He says, my focus was over here. I persecuted the church. I spent all of my life, I spent everything I had towards this one direction. And yet when I experienced the Lord, when I encountered Jesus Christ, I put all of my focus, I put all of my intensity, I put all that I am towards this opposite direction, towards Jesus Christ. So where is your focus? You know, in uh, substance abuse programs, psychologists say that trying to cut out an addiction, cold turkey, or trying to cut out addiction without doing anything else rarely ever works. Instead, they say that our personalities are naturally addictive. And so it's important to replace our one addiction with another. So instead of a bad addiction, the programs that we are in try to turn our habits into good ones. I was reading this article uh, in NPR, and it talked about how back then architects, they would uh, build pathways in parks. And so they would design, they would do the whole layout and blueprint and everything, and they would strategically try to lay out these pathways and and design them. But after a while, they realized that the pathways were barely being used. Instead, there was this natural pathway that would start to form. And they realized that people were so used to walking in a certain direction, in a certain way, that these pathways would begin to form from people walking on the grass. And that the architects would have to redo all of that stuff. They would move the pathway and they would rebuild it just so that they could follow the habits of the people. You see, this world is trying to tell us something that Paul is already trying to tell us here. It's that we are a people of a singular mindset. We get fixated on something. And we push towards it again and again and again. We are people of addiction. That's the truth. And yet the question becomes, what is your addiction? The question becomes, what are you going to be fixated on? What is your focus? Because we know that Paul was a passionate man. Even before Christ, he was still just as passionate. He was a man of intense focus. And yet his focus was in the opposite direction. He persecuted the Lord, but when he encountered the Lord, man, he turned everything towards Christ. If you are not pressing on toward Christ, and this is a little difficult, I think, for some of us to hear, you are persecuting the church. And there's no in-between that Paul talks about. And for me, honestly, when I was reading this, I was looking for, is there any type of middle ground here? Is there any type of gray? But Paul, he doesn't give us any of that. He says, I persecuted the church. Before I knew Christ, I was over here. My focus, my intensity, everything I was, was here. And yet when I met Christ, I became all the way over here. You see, I persecuted the church. 
And yet now I press on towards Christ. He does not give us a middle ground. And when I was reading through the Gospels and when I was trying to see what Jesus was saying about this as well, Jesus says the exact same thing. The world that we live in is all about the gray. It's all about trying to be as tolerant as possible, trying to be as neutral as possible. And yet Jesus Christ, he says the complete opposite. In fact, in Revelations, he says, it's better for you that if you're, in the, if you're in the middle, it's better for you just to not believe. Because I'd rather you not believe and not fool yourself than to say that you're in the middle and try to fool other people. For a lot of people, for a lot of Christians, they believe that Christianity is just a piece of their lives. That's just one small section. That's more of a private thing meant for weekends. But yet in the Bible, Jesus, he never talks about that. He never talks about being neutral in their beliefs. He never talks about having Christianity only a part of who you are. In Luke 12, Jesus is talking to the crowd of people, and he's, and he's teaching them about money, about hypocrisy. He's teaching them about all of these different things. And at the end of Luke 12, he says this one thing. He says, do you think I've come to bring peace to this earth? Do you really think I've come to bring peace here? You see, I've come to set this world on fire. I've come to divide families. I've come to make you choose. And this is so different than what the world tries to teach us. And this is so different than so many churches try to teach as well. Because Jesus is not, he's not someone who's going to let you stay in the middle. He hates lukewarm. He hates the middle. And so for you, you have to understand that if you are not pressing on towards Christ, then you are persecuting the church. There is no gray for you. To be a Christian means that your entire life is focused on Jesus Christ and on him alone. For us, we're either Jekyll or we're Hyde. There's no one else. If your focus isn't on Christ, then it'll be on something else. You see, C.S. Lewis, he said this in his book, Mere Christianity, that everyone has to make a choice. Either Jesus is the Son of God, and we can fall at his feet and call him Lord, or he's not and we turn away. But we can't be in the middle. He has not left that open to us. He has never intended to leave that open to us. Look, church, if you're new in your faith, if you do not know Jesus, if you, if you are still finding out kind of what church is and, and all of this stuff, then look, keep pushing. Keep searching. But if you have been attending for a while, if you are in this gray area, and if you are someone who just pushes Jesus to one side of your heart, what Paul is saying is that you are either for him or you are against him. You are either pressing on towards Christ or you are persecuting him. There is no in-between. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us to really understand and press on towards Christ? If we believe, if we truly want to not persecute him, if we truly now understand that there is either one path or another, then what does it mean to press on towards Christ?
It means that your whole life is reoriented. That's what it means. In verse 7, Paul says, whatever gain I had, I count it as loss. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to have our first steps class. And, and after that, we're going to have all these different discipleship classes and, and all, these, all these different membership classes, all these different things. But a lot of us have this misunderstanding of what Christianity is. Because being a Christian doesn't mean, it's not just about adding knowledge. Oh, this is, oh, I didn't know about this about God, and, and now I do, and, and I think now that I'm a Christian. That, that's not what Christianity is. And other people, they think that being a Christian means that, hey, I used to do bad things, and, and now I'm doing good things. I used to hate people, and, and now I love people. But that's not what being a Christian means either. Paul says that when you're a Christian, everything is new. Everything is new. The world that you saw before becomes something very different. And you yourself are very different too. Even if everything looks the same, he says that your motivations, your desires are completely different now. For me in, in high school, before I became a Christian, I, I went to every Sunday service. I remember my, uh, I, had, I would have uh, chicken pox, and my parents would still make me go. And I realized now that you're, you're not allowed to do that. But they would send me. <laughs> and I would go to a Sunday service. I would, I would go to every retreat. I would go to every weekday service. I would read the Bible. I prayed to the Lord. And after I became a Christian, guess what? I did the exact same things. I attended every Sunday service. I went to all the retreats. I prayed to God. I read the Bible. And yet I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that in high school I was not a Christian. 100% I was not. How would I be able to tell you that? How would I be able to know that? Look, Paul, he was a Pharisee. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He not only knew the Bible, he memorized huge sections of it. He not only prayed, he prayed constantly. If you think you are a good Christian, he was the best of Christians, you could say. And yet after he was saved, those actions didn't change. He still prayed constantly. He still read the Bible consistently. But what was different? Paul says, my life is different because not about what I did or didn't do. It's where my focus is now. It's my focus that's different. My actions may have been very similar, but it's my focus that's completely changed. Before, my drive and my motivation and my addiction was myself. It was to make me look good. I prayed so that other people could see me. I did these things so that people could be proud of me. But after I met the Lord, after that road to Damascus, everything changed. And my motivation, my drive, my focus was purely on Jesus Christ because he saved me. He loved me. And so everything I do now is for him. That's my focus. My church, how can you have joy in all circumstances? You see, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It matters where your joy is. If you are pressing on toward Christ, then your joy it will be placed on someone that will never fail. 
When you become a Christian, everything can be the same, and yet everything will be different. And I know that sounds weird, but that's the truth. When you are a Christian, you are the same, and yet you are completely different. Your focus is turned towards Jesus Christ. And I know that for a lot of us, this is, this is hard because a lot of us, we just don't have this desire for God. A lot of us, we don't have this motivation and we're just stuck where we are. But Paul, he tells us and he tells the church how he's able to completely focus on the Lord. And it's in verse 12. He says, I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. You know, in this generation, we have every option of self-help available to us. You can take a class, you can take a seminar, you can go to therapy, you can do all of these things, but the common thread among all of them is that it starts with you. It starts with you. You have to look in yourself. And once you begin to fix yourself, you can fix the things around you. Once you're able to fix the things inside of you, once you start from there, then you're able to fix your family. Then you're able to fix your job. Then you're able to fix everything around you. And yet Paul is saying the complete opposite. I am able to press on toward Jesus because Jesus first pressed on to me. Paul has this intense focus for Jesus because Jesus encountered him first. Oh, but Pastor Danny, that's, that doesn't apply to me. Pastor Danny, like, so I guess I can't do anything right now until, you know, I have to wait until Jesus comes to me and blinds me and then I hear a voice from heaven telling me, I'm, I'm not Paul. Do you know how Christ is trying to grab you? Do you know how you know Christ is trying to really grab a hold of you? Do you have any spiritual dissatisfaction in your life? When you look in your heart, is there anything in your heart right now that doesn't feel completely right? Even right now when I look at my life and in my heart, it astounds me that Jesus would still accept me because for me, yes, I am joyful and I am content, but I'm not content in where I am. I am waiting in expectation for what God will do in me later as well. I'm waiting for that time when God is continually sanctifying me, when he's continually healing me and building me up because right now I am a broken man. I am a broken vessel. And what Jesus is trying to tell you is that when you have dissatisfaction, that dissatisfaction is brought on by Jesus because he is saying, look, that dissatisfaction cannot be satisfied by anything in this world. That dissatisfaction that you're feeling can only be healed by me. Look, you can try and search all these other places, but you're going to end up feeling so discontent. I am the only one that can fulfill that. And look, if you don't have any dissatisfaction, if you are completely content with where you are spiritually, then you know what? There's nothing that I can say to you right now. There's nothing that 
these, these words right now will just bounce off of you. I can speak all the truth, I can speak all the biblical, whatever I can possibly do, but it will affect you absolutely not at all. Your heart will be a complete stone. But if you are discontent, even in the least, if you are wondering, even to a tiny portion, God, is there anything more than this? Is there something more than this? Is there something more in this world? Then Jesus is calling out to you. He is trying to take a hold of you. This is him pressing on to you. And he's not doing it to make you uncomfortable, to make you in pain. He's doing it because he loves you. And he wants you. Look, if you're saying, I'd love to know more about who God is. I want to know about God's love. I, I, want, I want to love him. These thoughts would be impossible if God wasn't working in you already. Praise God for that. You see, God's love is always prior to our love. In Luke 15, Jesus, he tells the story of a terrible son. This son, he goes off and squanders his father's wealth, and he lives this terrible life. And at his worst, he begins to walk back to his father's house. But on his way, his father runs out and embraces him and tells him he is his son. The son, he, he didn't say a word yet. He did not repent. He did not apologize. The father went out first. And it was the Father's love that brought repentance. My brothers and sisters, this is what it means to press on toward Jesus Christ. This is the joy of Christianity. Look, when you experience Jesus Christ, when you truly step forward in faith, your life becomes radically different. I think for a lot of us, we... We think of Christianity as so boring, and we think of Christianity as just hymns or, or whatever and just, just nothing, and it becomes so boring, and, and everything else in this world becomes so much more enticing. But do you realize that Christianity is the greatest adventure you could ever go on? That the minute you are saved, your whole life becomes different. The way you look at this world becomes so radically different. Look, your life will still have its ups and downs. You will still have your ups and downs, but your life completely changes. This is the new adventure that is in store for you. And Jesus, he is calling out to you. He is reaching out to you. You know, Peter, um, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, they, were, they weren't looking for Narnia. Narnia found them. They were just playing hide and seek. And yet, they were in that wardrobe, yet they were just looking around, and, and Narnia was the one that opened itself to them. But after that first time, after the first time they experienced it, they were drawn to that place. Again and again, they were drawn to that place. 
You see, those children didn't ask for it. They weren't looking for it. But it captured their hearts, and it took them. This is your story, brothers and sisters. We have something so great. We have the greatest story ever told. And that God of the universe resides here with you. And so for you, where is your focus? What will you be focused on today? Look, there's only two paths for us. There's only two things, there's only two ways that we can go. For a lot of us, we think we, we, can, we can toe the line, that we can stay on the fence, and yet Jesus, he is calling out to you today, right now, saying no. That is the enemy speaking. That is the devil saying that. You cannot be on the line anymore. You cannot stand on the fence any longer. You are going to have to choose a side. So which is it? Where will you be? Because if you are not pressing on towards me, then you are persecuting the church. So where will you be? Where is your focus going to be? Because I am reaching out to you right now. I am reaching out. I am trying to take a hold of you. And so where will you go? Because brothers and sisters, our first step now that we know this is to take that leap of faith. And so will you take that leap of faith? Will you take that leap of faith? Are you discontent? Will you keep looking for the Lord? Let's pray. We can either be one or the other. There's no in-between. So where will you be? Jesus, he didn't give us an option. Paul, he doesn't give us an option. God has never intended to give us an option. And so for us today, where is your focus? Where is your thoughts? Where are you trying to push everything towards? Because we are people who are naturally addicted. But it depends on where your addiction is. So where will that be, brothers and sisters? Where is your focus today? So right now, I'd just like for us to take some time to really think about that. Because Paul, he's in this passage, he's emphasizing to the church, he's saying, look, this is what it means to be a Christian. My actions, they may have been the same. My, all of these other things may have been the exact same, and yet my life is completely different because my focus is different. Where is your focus? What is your desire? Let's pray.